one. Welcome everyone to Haven of Horror episode 22. Sorry we are late. It has been a heck of a day. But Milton, are you ready to talk about a couple horror remakes? <laughs> uh, so I'm going to start with announcements. Uh, I'd like to try to keep that consistently at the beginning of the show. Uh, but Milton, I did hear back from one of our planned co-hosts. And they will be free next weekend. So we are going to do Shaun of the Dead and Ghostbusters next week. Uh, recover from these terrible, well, one terrible and one just kind of it's okay uh, movie. At least in my opinion. Uh, not to spoil things. Um, Yeah, there you go. Uh, Yeah, so guys, keep an eye out for that. If you're interested in the content that we put out, please give us a thumbs up or hit that subscription button. It means the world to us. Uh, as well as I have put out the first clip compilation of Milton and I's State of Decay 2 live stream. Uh, trying something different. It's only a five minute video, uh, but it's got some funny moments and some cool moments from the beginning of our stream. If you guys are interested in stuff like that, let me know. I've never done something like that, but I'll try to keep putting some of that content out because I got plenty of footage to edit down. So I will be honest, uh, because of my hectic schedule, I did not get to finish the first movie we were talking about. So Milton is going to do the majority of the talking for this movie. And yeah. I just realized they couldn't hear you until just now, which is fine because you didn't really say much. But uh, So Milton is going to tell us about the remake of The Fog starring Clark Kent. I mean, Tom Welling. Yeah, that was the first thing I recognized about this movie was it's it's the same actor who plays Superman in Smallville. I have not seen Smallville, but I have seen his this actor's face around. It's not hard to recognize him. For a while, um, I think this was the only movie that he was in. Uh, let me let me check that real quick. So Tom Welling is his name, right? Yeah. Um, his. Filmography as of as of the time when this movie was made, which was two thousand five. Um, no, he did Cheaper by the Dozen. He was in that movie. Oh, that's right. That's no, right. like two years earlier. Aside from that, um, not much. Post that point, in the same year, he did Cheaper by the Dozen two, in which he was present for the sequel because why wouldn't he? And then three other movies: Parkland. In 2013, draft day 2014, and the choice in 2016. Other than that, he hasn't done a whole lot. Um, he's in Lucifer. Um, he's in Batwoman and in The Professionals. But his but his um, his coverage is sparse in his filmography. So. Well, just to clarify, because you said he's in Batwoman. That uh, that is just because of the Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover. They went to the Smallville dimension, and I hated it. It was stupid. But anyway, yeah. uh, tell us about The Fog. So, The Fog, starting in uh, 2005 when it was released, is essentially The Fog, if it wasn't Sean film, was shot with more attractive people, and technically shot with a better budget, but it's still just as boring as the original was. At least my perspective on the original, I wasn't a huge fan. I think the story was very boring. And despite the fact that there is some better production value with this one, the story still bores the crap out of me. Um, a thing that I did notice about the production with this, um, apparently, just what I noticed, there were more glaring continuity issues and shots for whatever reason. Um, at some points, um, as one example, um, one time the car carrying our our main characters gets hit, and the character still is inside and lands in the jeep that they're in. But then in this in a shot like after a flashback, she's out on the road for whatever reason. Just as an example of things that's very hard to ignore especially if you know where your characters physically are, sometimes the shot continuity is not followed very closely to me, or at least more noticeably than what I've noticed in a lot of other movies. But I guess to a summary, there really isn't a whole lot that's different from the original Fog, Some, but I'll restate it again with some of the differences. 
The idea is the Elizabeth Dane, which was a boat that housed a whole bunch of lepers, aside from four men, um, is going to um, send... Shoot, I keep forgetting the name of this place. Um, what's, the, what's the name of the town again? That, that's how much I don't really care about this place. Uh, sorry, uh, Antonio Island, I mean. Um, in, in 1871, essentially, on Antonio Island, the Elizabeth Dane is bound to, you know, embark. There's supposed to be a leopard colony that's supposed to be posted there. But it, it, apparently the foreman, which had apparently found present-day Antonio Island, decide to double-cross them, loot the ship, set it on fire, killing everybody inside the ship, and just go about their lives. And later on in present-day, 134 years later, the occupants of Antonio Island are haunted by these ghost zombies of sorts except they're not zombies anymore there were zombies more or less in the original movie but now they're just ghosts with physical presence so it kind of plays it both ways in, in some ways um in this movie um certain elements of the backstory are much more prevalent we actually get a lot of flashbacks to what happens to the story being told to us some people may like that some people may not I personally didn't care either way. And apparently there was a character who's literally named Elizabeth. The um, We have a parallel to the hitchhiker woman in the original. The character is named and actually has a direct connection to one of the sailors on the island. They, they make the relationships in this movie a lot more obvious than the original. Um, and essentially, Elizabeth, present-day Elizabeth, is apparently a reincarnation of one of the original lepers on the Elizabeth Dane. And apparently at the end of the movie, it turns out with this being a reincarnation, a ghost, the, the main ghost, the big poob, uh, leper leper on the ship, decides to kiss her, and then she becomes a spirit, and then she's whisked away and she becomes a ghost. And the movie ends shortly thereafter with people just being sad and Tom Welling throwing the journal into the into the sea. That's really about it. There's there's even less in terms of plotting and like any chance of figuring out what the heck is going on with the plot because there's no there's no like buried treasure, there's no golden cross or anything like that. Um the priest, Father Malone, has even less to do in this movie than the than in the original. He's just there to be a portender of doom, but then he gets killed just the same as any other victim in this town. Um, it's a very boring movie. It's okay. The acting is okay, except for the actor who plays Spooner, which is Tom Willing's best friend, who is obnoxious. Who is supposed to be there for comedic relief, but doesn't really serve a whole lot. Sorry, you were saying just something, John? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's that, because I did see most of his stuff. Uh, I saw, like, the first hour of this movie, and I actually do plan to go back and finish it, because I rented this one. Uh, so I'll finish it, just out of curiosity. And for anybody who is interested in just my thoughts, I will post it, the review, because I will review it on Letterboxd. I will post that on Instagram, so be sure to click on the link in the description. Follow us on Letterboxd, and I will post my full review there. Um, but yeah, that sounds insane. Um, but yeah, he, he was typical mid two thousands humor. He's loud, obnoxious and irritating. Um, I, my friend showed me Zoolander last night and, uh, it's, it almost felt like a watered down version of some of the humor in that movie, which that movie sucks. Zoolander is okay, but it's not great. It's, I would still watch Zoolander over this, honestly, at least that film tries to be a comedy. This so, movie, it's like, it's try, we're trying to just, it's a paint by numbers of these are the certain things we have to do. And this, it, just to be a movie. It's a so, very, like, cut and dry thing. So if I may then, just because from what you've told me, it sounds like, because part of the charm of the original movie, and I didn't love that movie. I think it's one of Carpenter's weaker films. And could be remade well, uh, I think. Uh, but part of the charm of that movie, from people that I've talked to that like that original, it's like a fairy tale, right? Like, cause you got the guy at the beginning telling the story 
like the whole thing is set up kind of like a fairy tale or a scary story that you tell your friends. Yeah. Uh, they just completely get rid of that in this movie. Yeah. Um, the stuff that we get in backstory is put in terms of flashbacks and people inexplicably discovering hidden documents that they really should not be able to find. It's really only out of luck that they're able to discover them. And it's pretty much Elizabeth that drives this point. Elizabeth is the, you know, the standard for the hitchhiker woman in the first movie. Uh, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, she, um, and I don't mind the actress in this one. She's the same character, I think, who plays, I forget the character's name, but she was, she's in Lost. Um, is she? Yeah. I, I know she's yeah, in Ma- Maggie, Maggie Grace was in uh, Lost as, I forget her name, unfortunately. But I know she's in the Taken films. No, but she's um, she's also in um, Lost as well. Yeah, yeah. The, you find out who all she three of the Ticket trilogy. Yeah, she also plays um, Arena in the Twilight Saga, apparently, and one of the characters in Fear of the Walking Dead. Oh. Um, but yeah, I didn't have an issue with the acting in this movie. The one thing I did I did appreciate is with the remake, from what I saw, is you get kind of like lip service to certain scenes from the original. Uh, like the hitchhiker being picked up by the main guy. Uh, but in this movie, they actually know each other. So it's a little yeah. less creepy that he just picks her up and then sleeps with her. That I can't um, appreciate, to be sure. Um, I just, and I, yeah. No no disrespect to anyone in the original. I love pretty much every actor that's in that movie, even though I don't love that movie. Um, but we got Salma Hayek, I think is her name, as the DJ in this movie. And I like her quite a bit. That is not uh, Selma Hayek. That is a very different. That is Selma Blair. Uh, okay, I got the last very, name wrong. <laughs> two very different actresses. Two John. very different actresses, but I'm terrible with names. Selma no, but, Blair is who I meant, and she's awesome. Yeah, uh, no, Selma Blair, she's good. I actually, she has a voice for radio. I'd almost say too much so, which makes me wonder why she's still in this one horse town. But, you know, that's that's a nitpick. I mean, the problem with this movie casting, like you said, very beautiful people. I don't buy that any of them are stuck in this town. No. Tom Welling looks like a football player. Like, Yeah, no. Superman stays in Smallville because he's young and he's a, a farm boy at heart. Tom Welling in this, yeah, he's he's built. He hates, and he hates this the town that he's in. Yeah, he could easily go into a modeling career. It's it's the whole thing of we want the audience to just look at these beautiful people and not, I guess, but look the at problem, some sort of sense of escapism. But and I don't mind escapism in films. I'm willing to give the film as much disbelief as it needs. But the problem is, is that one of the main like points of conflict in this movie, and again, I'm only speaking on the first hour, uh, guys. I will give better thoughts later. Um, but his main point of conflict is that his girlfriend went to New York without him. Why didn't you just go with her? Yeah, they do not explain this in this movie at all. So the idea is is that um, Maggie, or Elizabeth Williams, as we should call her, is basically, she leaves town... Because she's having these nightmares that portend of doom and destruction, which turn out to become true. Because there's that theme of dreams becoming real. She leaves, but she just leaves inexplicably and doesn't really explain why. So, but also apparently Tom Willing's character, who is Nicholas Castle, which is a reference to another uh, John Carpenter movie. Um, Not a movie, uh, a person. Oh, a person. Sorry. I think. Um, I could be wrong. It's been a minute. I think it's... Um, I forget exactly what it's referencing, but it's, it's towards another John Carpenter thing. Yeah. But Nick Castle doesn't really go after her. He doesn't search for her or anything. It's just, she leaves. Oh, well. Okay. He's a yeah. very milquetoast character throughout this movie. He's there to look pretty, essentially. And to be this masculine responsible character but he's not he has no personality of his own um he's perfectly content apparently with pursuing a relationship with another woman so uh, 
you can't really speak to this any strength of character on his part. It just he just happens to reunite with Liz. Um and but it was a complete coincidence. She calls him out on it and they have sex the night of. It's like they act like it never happened. Of course. Nick Castle is Michael Myers in Halloween. Ah, uh, okay. Gotcha. I got him mixed up with Dick Warlock. I don't know why. Um, yeah. Please don't unsubscribe because I'm a total fraud. No, no problem. But, but uh, yeah. But, yeah, it's... The, the characters don't have a whole lot of dimension. I wouldn't be so opposed to the whole reincarnation thing and of course. apparently them Castle becoming go or becoming a ghost if if they could commit to the premise and say, Oh, everyone on this island is like a reincarnation of, you know, the people on the ship or those reincarnations. Maybe here's an idea. How about it be the island's occupancy is mysteriously the same as that of all the lepers on the ship? Aside from, you know, the descendants of those who directly had something to do with the ship's destruction. Or do something to commit to this premise. That way you can actually have the film say something, have some sort of dimension. But no, it's really just, this is a generic early 2000s horror movie. It does nothing. This movie is nothing. Aside from some pretty camera work. Some pretty effects with CGI shot on digital. And the coolest thing that I can say about this movie is that there's the glass shark scene where it encircles Father Malone and the sharks pierce his body and kill him. That's the coolest. That's the best thing I can say about this movie. And it's still, there's still no point to it because at least Father Malone in the original movie had something where I'm going to uncover some stuff about the island, try to look at it. I take responsibility. I tr- I'm going to try to save this town with a goofy end credit scene where he gets killed for no reason at the end. But you know, but there's less for him to do in this movie. There's not really a there's not really a whole lot any character does except for Elizabeth in this movie, and she just happens to stumble upon things. And the only the only clue that hint of her being a reincarnation is when a flashback happens that no character can explain or take account for because no one else sees the flashback. Except maybe her. Um, so. I, I will say, I part of me enjoys this because I grew up watching watching some movies like this. Like, this is, reminds me of a worse version of, like, Ghost Ship or 13 Ghosts uh, or ha- House of Haunted Hill. We had a bunch of those like early 2000s kind of like schlocky ghost horror flicks. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like I, and I would never, I would not begrudge anyone who doesn't like this having seen the original now. Um, because one thing I did like about the original was its atmosphere. Uh, but for me personally, it, especially in like, even in horror movies, atmosphere enough is not enough to carry me through a film. Uh, which is why I gave The Fog, I think, a lower rating. I can't remember exactly what we gave it now. Um, but one of the problems with this movie, just from what I saw of it, is it doesn't have that atmosphere. Uh, like you said, it's just kind of generic. Yeah, it's not like a lot of portions are incompetent. It's just the story itself, the plot and the characters are bad. The production is fine. Even with all the continuities that it has, there's better films that I like that are have probably even more continuity, continuity errors than this one. But it's just I focus on that stuff because there's nothing else going on in the story. And my mind will gravitate towards stuff that I notice in the movie because I'm forced to continue watching it for the sake of a review. Um, but there's not really a whole lot of praise that can be given. One other particular point that I found to be interesting and also worth deriding was... Um, so this is relevant to the film. In the Bible, there is a particular portion in the book of Daniel, the phrase, many, many, tekel, a parson, or some translations that say Perez. They misspell it, this phrase that is inexplicably graffitied on one of the gravestones. Many, many, tekel, 
O'Harrison or something like that. It's there's an E in there for some reason. They misspell it. I don't know why. And the whole thing is we're inserting this for the sake of saying you have been judged and found wanting. Out of context, okay. In context, understanding the story, the the actual translation of the whole phrase means a whole lot more that has nothing to do at all with, uh, you know, the plot of this movie. And that's probably the deepest thing about this movie is the idea of where it tries to connect to, like, biblical judgment. But even then, the judgment doesn't make a whole lot of sense with the whole reincarnation thing. Which goes back to my point of if you're not going to make sense with that, at least try to commit to the premise and try to make us think about it. But there's no committal to anything. Yeah, Things are just there. Well, Milton, as much as I want to spend, you know, give this movie its proper time on the show, uh, with just you being able to give more com- complete thoughts, I think we're going to just wrap it up. Uh, so what is your final score for this film? Oh, um, my final score is... I don't hate this movie. I'm just, I'm just kind of disappointed. <laughs> I hate to bring in that term so much, but there's, there's not a whole lot I can actually deride about it, other than it just being very bland and unoriginal. Um, I'll give it a two out of five. I don't hate this movie, but there's not a lot I can like about it, if anything. So it's become sub-average. It's very forgettable. Well, I will say that what I saw of it is a goddamn masterpiece compared to what we're going to talk about next. Um, and, and I would normally talk about this because you talked about, you know, the fog, but I wanted you to give us an introduction to day of the dead 2008 because you love the original so much. I do. How did you feel watching this movie? Oh, um, <laughs> So I looked on so I looked at some of the premise and some of the reviews of this movie real quick before I went in to watch it. And I the description that I saw on Amazon, because I watched it through Amazon Prime, said a very loose remake of the original movie. How loose it is. So loose, in fact, that it's also very a non-committal movie. Perhaps even more so than the fog is. It's such a stupid movie. Of people doing stupid things, cast stupid people, cast Nick Cannon is the most recognizable cast member, and he is the most annoying character in this movie, apart from some of the other annoying characters in this movie. Is he the most recognizable though? For me, he is, just because I watch Nickelodeon quite a bit, and Nickelodeon oh. could not help but just showcase Nick Cannon so much in their promotions and stuff. Oh, okay, because I wasn't sure if it'd be him or Ving Rames. Bing Rames is the other notable guy, but he doesn't he have a whole lot of presence in the movie. Nick Cannon has more presence for some reason. Um, Bing Rames is there to be there. Yeah, the 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 gist that I got from like two scenes with Bing Rames in it was he did not want to be there. I can tell it's it's a very miserable movie with very little point and very little purpose. So I am convinced that the only reason this movie exists, and I, I want to get into the production a little bit, at least the director, because I'm a big fan of this director. Uh, well, I, I don't know if I can say big fan, but he's directed some movies that I like a lot. Um, I'm convinced that this movie only exists to take advantage of the hype behind the 2004 remake of Dawn to the point that you got Bing Rames in your movie. Um, but how do you... Okay. How do you get Ving Rhames, one of the most charismatic actors in modern like horror and, and action movies, to play Colonel Rhodes, because that's who he's supposed to be, and he has no presence in the movie? It's very... It's, you'd think if you're going to remake a movie, you understand the reasons why fans and critics would really like it. Day of the Dead, the original, is known for high, bombastic, over-the-top dialogue delivery and monologue delivery, just general stage presence. None of these actors have anything, except I would say Nick Cannon, who has it in the wrong way, where he's probably the most annoying character in this movie. He's a very obtrusive presence who's just, just 
pretty pretty much antagonistic to everyone that he meets. Um, Ving Rhames has Ving Rhames is milk toast, and that should not be because Ving Rhames has personality. You know what baffles me about this movie? I didn't know this until I watched it this time. I've only seen this twice. I saw this when this first came out because I thought it was a sequel to Dawn of the Dead, uh, which is what they wanted you to think. Yeah. Uh, Steve Miner directed this. Mm-hmm. Steve Miner directed Friday the 13th Part 2 and 3, as well as H2O. Yeah. Uh, I haven't, I've only seen H2O once, but I thought it was pretty good. Friday the 13th Part 2 is fantastic. Part 3, not as good, but still pretty good. And it's iconic because that's the movie where Jason gets the mask. He's also apparently directed some episodes of Smallville. No, oh, interesting. Inter- interesting six degrees of separation kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and, and when I first started the movie, I could tell a little bit that this was directed by a slasher guy. Because it starts out like a slasher movie, right? You got yeah. the horny teens making out, and like you got the the long creepy shots, uh, and then and I was like, okay, maybe this isn't going to be as bad as I remember. Uh, it, it won't be great because it's still a remake of a classic, but maybe it'll be good on its own right. And then we got to the hospital. I don't know about you, but that's where this entire movie fell apart for me. Now, this movie for me fell apart almost at the beginning. Where I knew, because the original Day of the Dead is set in a military bunker for most of the time, and then we start the movie in the military bunker where these teens are inexplicably trying to get it on with each other inside of this abandoned military bunker. Apparently, while there's a quarantine going on. I don't know what's, I don't know what the purpose of anything is in this movie. Nothing makes sense. The military is there, but they don't put two and two together to think that maybe we should you know, quarantine off the military bunker that is clearly here that we should know about. Um, Never mind the fact that apparently it's an airborne virus that certain people are just inexplicably immune to. Well, but that, that stuff that comes later, I'm talking about just at the beginning of the movie. I, my thought process was, okay, it's not going to be a good remake of day of the dead, but this might be an okay, you know, like low budget, cheesy, like zombie flick. Nothing amazing, but I'm going to have a good time watching it. And then we got to the hospital, where, and they start getting into the virus and the transformation. Uh, I burst out laughing when the guy, that, the first guy to turn went from normal human to, like, super fast decaying zombie in 0.2 seconds. And yeah, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> it's like, when you're a zombie, your flesh looks decayed. And the moment you turn is the moment you become disgusting. It's like, no. There were other points when I laughed as well, because we get our bud character or buddy, I guess. I will get into that because, boy, do I have a lot to say. Yeah. Uh, But that, but he is a a symptom of a larger issue with this movie. This movie has prequelitis to the extreme. Oh, Day of the Dead takes place in a military bunker. Well, we're going to explain how they got to the military bunker. You love Bub. Well, we're going to explain Bub. We're also going to change one of the letters in his name because we're smart. Uh, when, when they, after, what is it, Bud in this movie? It's Bud, apparently. Just Bud. Not Buddy. Not Bubby. Not Bud. <laughs> just Bud. When he is finally turned and like they're discovering, you know, that he won't attack them for whatever reason, I nearly shut off the movie when they speculated, well, he was a vegetarian in life in real life. What? Uh, he does say earlier in the vehicle that he's a vegetarian. That's it. But there's not a whole lot of reason why else he wouldn't be a violent zombie just like anyone else. Well, no, I'm not saying that they didn't set that up. I'm just saying that the fact that you're a vegetarian when you're a human doesn't make any fucking sense as to why you would attack humans as a zombie. Yeah, that that's that's it's stupid. It's very stupid. Humans don't eat human flesh, but they still turn into zombies and eat human flesh. Yeah. Uh. But so, let's let's yeah. rewind. 
What did you think of the scientist character or the doctor character, I guess, or whatever he's supposed to be? How dare you? Not you, but the movie. Not, yeah. And it's a running issue with this movie. You get all these familiar names, right? Because you get Colonel Rhodes, who has no presence. I think the lead girl, who I liked well enough at parts, I think that actress is doing the best she can with this terrible script. Um, I think she's supposed to be the scientist lady from the original. Um, Are we talking about, uh, I think, Mina Suvari is Corporal Sarah? Yeah, Corporal. Because I'm pretty sure that's the name of the girl from the original. Uh, Part of the problem with Romero is a lot of his characters just have generic names and I can never remember them. But how dare you take two of the most charismatic people in zombie films, Rhodes and Frankenstein, and they're nothing. Can we even call this guy Frankenstein? I don't think he's even referred to as Frankenstein in the movie. He's, I don't even remember what his name is, honestly. He, uh, his Dr. name, Lo- he's called Dr. Dr. Logan. Logan. It's but, implied that he's Dr. Frankenstein. Because Frankenstein's name in the original was Logan. Yeah. Um, I, and I even saw that there was a Dr. Logan cast, but I don't know like half of these people. Then it, and then it clicked. And I was like, oh, this is what they're doing. What the fuck? Because they even have, once you get to the military bunker, they even have a zombie that is dressed to look like that original Frankenstein actor. What? And uh, I don't know if it's just me, but did you notice it seemed like they fast-forwarded the zombies running to make them faster? Or there was some kind of All weird the time. effect. There were some po- there were some points where I could see that. Other times, actors were actually running, but yeah. it, it was definitely not a consistent. Um, it looks yeah. so stupid because they're like yeah. they're like running, but like their arms are like folded up. Some of them, um, and then you get like to the end, and they're dodging bullets and shit. Yeah, the doctor, one of the doctors, or one of the scientists, rather, just for some reason. Another thing I was frustrated at was the almost complete disregard for ammo conservation in this movie. Just freaking ridiculous. That that one, it's like, <laughs> at that point, I'm used to it, right? Because, like, right. every zombie movie, they don't care. It's not important. Well, it got to a ridiculous point where it's like, we're all going to shoot at the zombie and we're not going to hit him at all. And he's going to dodge, he's going to get away. Then, oh, we hear a noise. And everyone shoots their guns into the air. The camera doesn't even focus on where the bullets are landing. And we're all just, I don't know. And so many weird, like, I don't know if you noticed this as well. So many weird, like, effects on the screen at times. Because, like, the camera would, like, shift when they started turning. And you'd get like this weird like lens on the camera. Yeah, sometimes uh, and... there was a bit of that. Um, there were other times the action was just incomprehensible to look at because the camera angles were just changing so fast. Or especially at the beginning with the first victim that we got, the shaky cam was just all over the place quite a bit of the time. And what I could praise the fog with at least being can can you know at least competent with in some of its camera action. There's, like, very little confidence in terms of action shooting with this movie. It's like, you get some of the basics. There are other times where we have certain shots that aren't angled quite right, or certain portions that should be focused on aren't focused on. Some things out of focus that are, should be in focus. Certain portions of the movie that are inexplicably lit very differently than how they were lit just a few minutes ago. Like, the hospital scene completely changes of lighting color just not too long into the movie, which I felt to be very strange. It's like you go from bright white to like low lit yellow for some reason, despite the fact that the power is still on and it should be. And and I decided to check because I thought about the script. This isn't written by a terrible writer. This guy wrote the first two final destination films, which are pretty good. Yeah. This movie just seems like we're here to collect checks it was, and it also has paint by numbers things as well to it. And 
it's like the point where, oh, we escaped from the base and we're driving off. It's the end of the movie because we've all gone through our emotional catharsis with, with each of these characters. It, it's, it's, written, it's written like an immature or like an immature writer. Just went through this. It's well, just the decay of the town. That's it. And I, honestly, I don't know if I'd be as harsh on this movie if it wasn't a Day of the Dead remake. Remake. No, I'd be harsh on this movie on in by itself. It's a very, it's a very because, movie. Because, well, and I just and you got, but you got to remember, I've seen a lot of zombie films. Mm-hmm. I've seen worse. This isn't even the worst Day of the Dead remake. Yeah, you're telling me a bit about the other one. Yeah, which we'll get to eventually because I'm just here to like ruin Milton's brain. Um, if this was not, if this was not called Day of the Dead, it did not rely on names and people from a movie that I consider a classic masterpiece. I'd still hate this movie. I wouldn't be angry about this movie. This movie fucking sucks. It does, and it does nothing with its original material. It doesn't try to go into its themes even more. It doesn't really have themes, honestly. It It's a very clumsy thing with any sort of social commentary. The only bit of social commentary that I think we can get is when um, the character playing Bud, like, you know, tries to compliment, like, Nick Cannon fashioning weapons, says, hey, man, nice spear. And Nick Cannon says... What? Just because I'm a black man, you call it a spear? <clears throat> and so, I, what? That's what like, does that even mean? Yeah, it's like, what? The whole tribalism thing? If it looks like a spear, he's going to call it a spear. It has nothing to do with your race. <laughs> and I, I'm kind of mad at myself because when they first introduced Bud, I, and I, like I said, I'd seen this before, but this movie came out in like 2008, so it's been... It's been at least a decade since I've seen this movie. Uh, I had forgotten that he was our stand-in for Bub. So when we got to that twist, I was like, oh, I forgot about this. The movie tricked me. Because <laughs> I wasn't thinking about it. I was like, ah, you know, I'm just going to try to forget what I know about this movie and watch it. One thing that I have sworn up and down is that there is a scene where zombies are running on the ceiling. I don't know if I just missed it. Or is it not really there? Did you notice anything like that? I think I might have missed it. For, I think I might have missed that probably because I was tuning out a bit. But <laughs> I so do, you, do you hate me yet for uh, for picking these? <laughs> no, I, I. It's good to recognize some of the things that are missing in movies, and this movie is missing a lot of things. <laughs> so. Um, but yeah, I mean, and you know, I don't want to be completely like just harsh on this movie. I will give praise. I liked the main army girl, Sarah, whatever. I don't think the character's all that deep, but the actress was all right. Like, she was working with what she's got. The other characters are trash, though. Um, Bud is okay, but he's milquetoast and he shouldn't be. There's nothing to him. That movie relies on you remembering Bub and liking him because he's Bub. And Bud is nothing like Bub. And Bud doesn't have a whole lot to do. He is there to simply just be a curiosity with the fact that he seems a bit more lucid by the fact that he remembers some things about his past as a, as a military private. But then he, he doesn't really do anything with it. He's he just there, and sits, he gets killed. Yeah, and like he, he just follows orders. Like The cool thing about Bub was that he starts out following orders, but by the end of the movie, he has his own quest, and like he's thinking and doing for himself. Bud just... Does whatever he's told. I don't oh. even remember. Does he end up getting killed? I don't remember. Yeah, he gets killed by the other zombies. They tear his oh. head off. And oh, okay. he gets left behind as well. At the start of the military base, he starts yelling because he hears zombies yelling. They leave him behind because he gets mobbed. And then some minutes later, for some reason, they, they cast season. The other zombies tear his head off for no reason. Which, that doesn't make sense either. None of the other zombies have attacked other zombies. Yeah, there's, uh, not, there's not a whole lot of precedent behind it. There's no sense of... of um, I, I, don't know what, I don't know what the word is, but... Like, okay, for example, I think it's in the hospital scene. Mm-hmm. One of the guys runs out ahead. They, they're only second behind him. And then he shows up, like, being slid down the hallway, and, like... He's 
all of his flesh is missing from his chest. Oh yeah, the that would be um the Doctor Logan. No, not Logan. Um, Orson Logan. No, it's not Logan because he makes it to the bunker, doesn't he? Or does that happen in the bunker? No, that's that happens in the bunker. Um, then it is Logan. Yeah, I think it is Logan. Yeah. So this but actually that... was a thing that was funny to me as well because he's walking right behind them, like literally right behind them, silently as zombie men just to pick him up. He doesn't yell or anything. Picks him up. Like about a second passes, then what you said, flat from his chest is rip off and shows his rib cage. It was so stupid, I couldn't help but laugh because there's no way that doesn't make any noise. Not only that, but like, I don't know, I feel like it would take more than a second to rip all of that flesh off down to the bone. Yeah, so a zombie just picked him up in fast motion, ripped his chest off, did nothing with it. And decides to slide his body quite a bit through this narrow shaft, put him on the other side for some reason. <laughs> it's like, why? What's going on what is here? happening? I guess the personality of this particular man before he was a zombie was apparently a very smart, very fast, you know, CQC specialist <laughs> and knows how to use knives or something. <laughs> Don't know what's going on. <laughs> Fuck if I know. Uh, it's uh, there's there's so much dumb stuff about this thing. This movie understands nothing about the film it's trying to remake. It's it looked at the cliffness of what it does, and then is just a it's just a very okay. straightforward action movie. So I'm I'm gonna give the movie this much. It understands the cliff notes, but only like half the cliff notes. Because the only interesting idea in this movie is that they retain part of who they are after they're dead, which is something that, of course, Romero plays with. Problem is that, like everything else in this movie, they handle it in the dumbest way possible. Yeah, and they're non-committal to it. Yes. Because the only time it ever really matters is just so they can give a ham-fisted explanation to why Bud exists and why he doesn't eat people. I also don't understand how a scientist being smart can give him the power to dodge bullets. <laughs> he he learned how to jack into the Matrix, I guess. Um, I, I think the common theme with both of these movies is these are movies that are best forgotten and have mostly been forgotten. And we just kind of dredged up their corpses because we wanted to do a couple of bad movies. I just kind of wish we'd watch these together because they might have not, like me and you, just watch them together. And just riffed on them. They may not have been so intolerable. Well, okay, I didn't hate the fog, but like, there were points at Dawn Day of the Dead where I was like, "This is an eighty-six minute movie," but it felt like I've been watching this for three hours. That was the movie with the fog. <laughs> um, this one, at least, was more marginally more interesting by the fact that there was more violence. But that's still not that still didn't make it an enjoyable experience for me. Yeah. It, I agree. What else can we say about this movie? It's trash. I'm glad Um, it didn't even release in theaters. It was a straight-to-DVD thing. Um, For a movie that is only, I think, eight, it doesn't even make the full 90 minutes. It's like 86 minutes with credits. Uh, The subplot with the radio guy is completely pointless. Oh, yeah. That's... um, He's he's DJ Paul playing by Ian McNeese. He might have the most personality in this movie but it was completely pointless uh they really want you to care about that kid and his girlfriend uh but that kid comes off as an asshole and a sociopath no but um ian mcneese is is a good actor he's been in a lot of stuff like a lot well that's the other thing that's the other thing to note is i was looking at this cast because there's some of them that were to look familiar most of these people have been in stuff, like actual stuff. Yep. I don't know how they got them in this movie, but it's like, uh, hey guys, you want to have a an easy project for easy money? Well, and you know, um, and and I mentioned this in our live stream, but I've been watching or in our gaming live stream, but I've been mm-hmm. watching through the Mission Impossible movies, which is of course one of the things Bing Rames is known for the best. Yep. Does that motherfucker not make enough money off those movies that he doesn't have to do shit like this? 
Maybe he was led to believe that there was something more. He might have forgotten to read the script. Maybe. That would be uh, amazing if he just improvised his scenes, and that's why it looks like he doesn't want to be there. Um, but yeah, guys, I mean, I'm going to be honest. These are bottom of the, these are lower, almost bottom of the barrel remakes that aren't, there's not a lot to talk about. We just wanted to do a couple of bad movies. And I thought these would be interesting because we've, we've covered both the originals and Day of the Dead 1985 is a fucking masterpiece. Um, so this yeah. is probably going to be a shorter episode, especially because I didn't have a lot to say about the fog since I didn't get to finish it. Um, but just to jump off topic for a minute, if you'll allow me, that's okay because tomorrow, Milton, we're going to be doing a discussion on Buffy season three. Mm-hmm. And you, I don't know about you, but I'm quite excited for that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so <laughs> we need to get at with, get with each other after the show and decide what time. Yeah. Um, um, one thing that I want to say about this, as bad as these remakes are, one of the reasons why it's good to focus on remakes is because a lot of discussions about those movies will give attention to some of the originals. I can't praise the fog too much, but I can take the time to say, if you haven't seen the original Day of the Dead by George Romero and company, Tom Savini especially, watch the original Day of the Dead. It's worth your viewing time. It's on HBO Max. I think it's on YouTube. Watch it. And watch Dawn of the Dead. Those yep. are the magnum opuses of zombie flicks. Yep. Hell, watch against, Night of the Living no. Dead. I don't know what the plural is, but like they're neck and neck. They're masterpieces. Watch them. Like two of the best horror flicks ever made. I'd have to see the the Latin in any case. Yeah. It's yeah, it just give attention to the original movies that had to do a lot of the hard work to get the attention that the remakes got. Um, these remakes are not good movies, and it's not as if the idea of a remake is a bad thing. A remake can be a good thing, especially if a fan, for instance, has a lot of passion about a certain project. Like, really like these movies, and say, I like these movies. I think I can improve them in at least a couple areas and make something that might be better, or something that gives you know some sort of acclaim to the original. Gives attention to that. If we just someone, start... yeah, I'm oh, sorry. Uh, just to add to your point, just a couple yeah. weeks ago, we covered t- the Zack Snyder remake of Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. One of the best remakes of its era. Yeah. It has its problems, but at least it, people cared and gave it a darn. <laughs> it, but the, with these ones, they don't care. It, it, but if they do care, it's the care is probably put in people who tried some production stuff. Um, aside from that, the actors are pretty much just doing the bare minimum. The story writers aren't doing a whole lot of stuff. The producers don't exactly have... They're not making great decisions either. Passion in some ways and dedication to what you're trying to do is... It will come through in your projects, as flawed as they might be. People will pay attention if you actually care. And make the effort and try to apply yourself. The uh, the gold standard is, of course, John Carpenter's The Thing, mm-hmm. which is a remake of The Thing from Another World yeah. or a readaption of the book. He loved that material. Yes, the movie may not be good, may not be well received, is what I'm trying to say, when it comes out. But he he was so far ahead of his time with that movie. Look at it now. Yeah. Just, if you're going to do something, make sure it's something you're passionate about. Not a cash grab. We've seen a dozen of these cash grab remakes. Yeah. Or even some original movies that try to get in on certain trends that are just popular of the time. Look at uh, the look at Bird Box and that whole thing it spawned with... Uh, Netflix did another movie in silence or the silence or something. Uh, and the only one of those that I've liked is a quiet place, which we need to do quiet place too. As soon as it comes out on digital, cause I want to see that. We will. Yep. I'm excited. I loved the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have hopes. I have hopes. I, I do too. 
Krasinski only came back because he had an idea. So we'll see. But uh, honestly, Milton, I'm running out of things to say other than the fuck this movie. And this may be slightly... I'd rather not. Because it's disgusting. That joke does get old after a while. It will. (laughs) But today is not that day for me yet. (laughs) But But, uh, I also think... And call me hyperbolic with this this rating, if you will, wish. But I love the original too much to be lenient on this flick. I'm going to give this a 0 out of 5. Really now? Yeah. (laughs) No, uh, sorry. Um, I go back and forth. I can't hate this movie so much. Exactly. I'll give it screw it. I'll give it a one out of five. It does some stuff. It's a movie. It is absolutely you at a movie. least you at <laughs> least get some semblance of some emotional catharsis with the sibling thing, but it's not very well developed. You get something that at least is where it can get at least one point, but honestly by this point. Why would you want to watch this movie anyway? What's the point? A 0 out of 5 might as well be as good of a score as a 1 out of 5 in this case. This might be oh. the lowest rated episode we've done. Yeah. Yeah, this movie's worse than Underworld, apparently. I mean, <laughs> that's... Just saying something. Underworld is well made, it's just generic. This isn't well made and it's generic. <laughs> that's fair. That's a fair way to look at it. But yeah, uh, we're going to call it here, guys. This is the shorter episode, but we will be back tomorrow with Buffy Season 3. So feel free, like I said, to hit that subscription button to get alerts on all of our content. Uh, We've got more Telltale The Walking Dead episodes in the queue. Uh, Milton, I haven't been able to actually get with you to let you know, but Mm -hmm. I did edit down at least half of that episode down into uh, 20-minute episodes, so we've got those in the queue. Uh, like I said as well, I uploaded a highlight clip of uh, our State of Decay 2 with more on the way if that does well. I'm trying to put out some like 5-10 minute videos that you know might might interest people. Um, more bite-sized stuff, you know. Yeah, because our, our regular shows get quite long. And mm. But uh, yeah, I think that's going to be it for us tonight, guys. We will see you tomorrow. Yep. Thank you Anything for watching, else? everyone. Thank you for watching. Oh, there he is.